Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed, and it's time for another Force Center book review. That's right, we are going to dive in to Solo, a Star Wars story, the novelization by Murr Lafferty. And to do that, 
It's Joseph Scrimshaw and me, Ken Napsa. Joseph, welcome to another book review. I'm ready for Force Center Reads. Force Center Reads. We know how to read. Um, <laughs> That's why we do these reviews. Just to remind you, the listener, we can read. We can read well. <laughs> so this is an interesting uh, interesting time for Star Wars fans. Right, We're coming yeah. out of Solo. Uh, we love the movie. No bones about that. But, you know, there's been the talk about the the movie, the box office, the directors, all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, there's a story that we, as a Force Center brand, do enjoy. Oh, yeah. I love the story of Solo. And I feel like the novel continues that. And it's uh, I think it's cool that it's really sort of settling into the novel with the expanded scenes and the the home video release coming out around the same time. Yeah. So we get this experience, just like we did with Last Jedi of, and here's kind of the rest of the experience. <laughs> the rest of it, which is a lot different from The Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams is on record saying he's not a big director's cut, deleted scene guy. He's yeah. definitely got a few from The Force Awakens. So the novel, Alan Dean Foster's Force Awakens novel, I always felt was just like, a couple scenes, but here's the script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As interpreted by Alan Dean Foster. Yeah. Uh, different take. Rogue One, though, comes along, and it does... Add some things to the story. It enriches the experience and kind of set the bar yeah. for, for modern Star Wars novelizations. So no different. We got Mer Lafferty here, right? And this is, is a uh, great moment. She's the first uh, woman to write a uh, adaptation of, of a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And I think it shows in a good way. Yes. In a good way. An added perspective that is uh, really fleshes out the story in different ways. No surprise that I think that we learn the most about Kira. Yeah, uh, in this and, and as well as L three, but we're going to dive and into Val, that. for that matter. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, can't can't forget that. Can't forget that. So we're going to dive on in. And uh, Joseph, where where do you want to start? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm blabbing. <laughs> I want to start with the overall take because uh, I want to share mine. But I'm curious about yours. Like, so yeah. overall, for me, one of the things that I loved about the movie Solo is that it felt like very original Star Wars, in that it was like fast paced, episodic pulpy like serials like uh stuff from the 30s and 40s and i feel like the book really maintained that like uh breakneck speed and that feel uh but then it was truly an adaptation like a different mm-hmm. take on the story too because i think it was so much more insightful right like we talked about when the movie came out this is the first star wars movie where it serves one character yeah and like every time they were like well what does that character really think it's like well they kind of do that because we want to see han's reaction because that's the nature of this movie mm. but the book tells that story and it takes time to say no we really want to know what every character thinks cares about what is affecting them there's even like a part i think towards the middle where han disappears a while for yeah. a while where we're not in his head as much and certainly he's not he's not moving the plot forward as much and it's really great to just have this other adaptation of the story that's a little bit more well-rounded with all the characters Totally agree with you on that. And you touched on, on something that I, I have a little note here of it felt like the how do I explain this? The New Hope novelization <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> excuse me. When I checked uh, checked it out of the school library um, and then eventually got my own copy from Nan's pre-owned book in Royal Grande, California. It was a fast paced sign, just like New Hope is yeah. fast paced. Alan Dean Foster's writing it. But I remember finishing the New Hope novel as a, as a kid, probably eight or nine. And looking back through the pages and going, wow, remember when we started out on Tatooine? <laughs> it seems like so long. What an adventure I what went on. What a journey, yeah. yeah. 
This book, Merle Lafferty, did a great job of keeping what you just described, that breakneck speed. But I felt that we went on a fun journey. We're, this morning, as I was doing some notes, I'm looking back and going, oh, remember when they were on Mimban? And <laughs> I thought that was... feels so long yeah, ago, yeah. That's fun Star Wars. Yeah, it? and you, that goes right down to like the whole design of everything solo, that it looks like that dog-eared uh, pulp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the actual yeah. novelization, that for the first time in a long time, they have the glossy photos from the movie in the middle of the actual book yes. which they used to back in the day and sometimes I'd be like well did you want to see a picture of Big's Dark Letter that's one of the only places you're going to see it yeah. You know, now you could just Google like, oh yeah I want to see this that scene of Han in this exact you could put in the frame of you know digital film and you could probably pull it up on Google if you wanted but it's cool to go back to that fun feeling of Oh, pictures in the middle. Glossy. Yeah. You're tapping into something there. You're, you're tapping into something there because, yeah, we're, we're, we're of that era. We're, we're the oldest Star Wars fans, and there's older ones than us, by the way. Yes, there um, are. But I, I remember looking at the scene with Biggs and Luke at Tashi Station, essentially, yeah. you know, and with the Biggs get the cape and everything, and not knowing what that was. But then you read it in the story, but then just like looking at this picture before I read the book and going, I don't remember What's this. that about? Yeah. And then you tell friends like it was an urban legend. There was, his friend came and had a cape on. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I got I actually got excited. And I and I waited. I don't know about you. I, I saw that there was pictures and I waited till I got to them in the book. I did too. And I, I did when I get there. I did uh, slowly look at them and read <laughs> all the captions. Yes. And it, was, it was a very thrilling experience. <laughs> so for you, what was the overall take? Was it... Was it that you enjoyed the more uh, perspectives? I enjoyed the new insights into Kira most of all. We're going to dive into that. but it, it So I felt like I got to relive the movie in a fun way. I didn't see the movie in theaters as much as I wanted. Again, talking about all the weird box office yeah. problems in this movie came out at a different time. Uh, I, I just didn't get to it as much. So I had fun reliving the story, and it was such a faithful adaptation of the movie. That was good for me. And then the insights that I wanted... I got, including some that I wasn't planning on getting. I, I could have imagined <laughs> we're going to get stuff on Kira, yeah. L3, Val, and you, you, that's a great point. Uh, there were some I felt I didn't get as much as I wanted. Uh, Emphasis Ness, we'll talk about that. But there were some surprises where I was like, oh, interesting perspective. Yeah. So I think Merle Lafferty did a great job, uh, and it was an easy read. And you, we say that a lot, right? Easy read, easy read. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. No. I want to be able to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and just dive in for 100 pages in a breeze. Yeah, I would say pick up many, many science fiction books, especially less modern ones, and read the first page. And it will be a very slow, creaky description mm. of uh, the environment. It will be a description of rocks or leaves <laughs> on a planet and, like, Star Wars, it, to me, it's different than crunchy science fiction. Yeah. And I think she does a great job of getting that. Uh, you know, the, the whole, there's a lot of little funny lines as it goes. The whole thing feels a little, mm-hmm. a little smart assy uh, in a good way, in a little rebellious. It does. She, I got to say, the first couple chapters, I was not sure of her writing style. Not in a bad, I wasn't like, eh, this is bad. I was just like, okay, this is different. This is different. It seems very modern, uh, which we want because yeah. we've all, I, ha- I have to be fair, this, reading Thrawn uh, Alliances and the other Thrawn book, we, you and I have both talked on air off air that eh, Zahn's style is of a different era. Yeah. Hers, her style's of the current era, but uh, after about the third chapter, I was all on board. Uh, did, she did a great job of writing in, in the voice of all the characters, particularly Han. So, yeah, yeah. Great, great stuff there for me. Yeah, and I do feel like, uh, just as an overall thing, my other reaction is just really uh, seeing the story from a woman's perspective. Not only, mm-hmm. uh, like, another writer could have absolutely written more details on 
Kira yeah. and L3 and Val and who knows how many of those came from discussing it with mm-hmm. the Kasdans, uh, right. if that was a part of the process. But then there are just other little details that just for me um, rang true from experiences that uh, women have described to me. Mm-hmm. That uh, feeling um, maybe undervalued or sometimes not understanding where a man is coming from. Like right. um, that little detail of that eel scene with Han and Kira, yeah. where uh, Kira has the good idea to hide in the fish yards uh, so that the Karelian hounds can't smell them. And Han is really freaking out. And like Kira doesn't, about having to hide in a vat full of eels. And Kira just kind of doesn't get it. And is like, it's just eels. I don't understand why he's freaking out. And like that's an interaction I've had yeah. with women where it's that stereotype mm. that men can handle lots of things. Right, right. And right. then there's sometimes, you know, because we're all human, yeah. those things get inverted. And sometimes it's the dude in a relationship who can't deal with the spiders in the bathroom and the woman has to kill <laughs> right, him. Right, and then the yeah. woman's sort of like, I thought the stereotype is you're, you don't freak out. Why are you freaking out? So like, right. to me, it's like, what? that's an interesting female observation yeah. that we're all humans and we all you know, have strengths and weaknesses and they don't necessarily fall into these gender silos. Absolutely. And Kira continues to just expand as a character because of Ray Carson's work in Most Wanted, which has one of my favorite moments in Star Wars. And it's a Han moment and a Kira moment. uh, But but she's looking at Han and realizing he's kind of a good guy. It's the moment to me where she realizes she's a good he's a good guy. Yeah. But it's as so as a Han fan, it's like, oh, that's where that comes from. That's why I can root for this guy. But to see it from her perspective and how it was a positive experience for Kira to have this kind of the standard for like not only how to be treated, but like he sees me as I know myself to be, yeah. and it's valuable because all these other people aren't. And you see it again; it shows up again here with Mer Lafferty writing Kira. Kira knows how a lot of the Dryden Voss and his associates are looking at her. Yeah, both whether it be leering or overlooking, and and it's a, and how it, her experience with that. It, it, you could just tell the k- character of Kira continues to get more layers in, in the hands of these these uh, women writing. Her. Yeah. And again, Lawrence and John Kasdan, uh, I'm not saying they can't. George R. R. Martin writes female characters good because he says, I just write them as characters. We've <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. But in the process of making a movie, two directors, this and that, you've heard Amelia Clark say some stuff, uh, I didn't get the direction I want. You know, it didn't add up in the movie as well as I thought it could, if I'm being honest. And yeah. I think it's been great to see this character kind of grow over, yeah. over the pages. And for me, I think Kira tracks, we've talked a lot, a lot about yeah. it, and we'll, we'll talk more, but I feel like Kira tracks great in the movie for me but there are some moments where it's sort of like signposts and mm. i feel like in both uh most wanted in this those signposts point to this mountain of information mm. and feelings and insights and they're there in the books but i still feel like the movie is in total agreement it's not like uh i the novels had to go and so are like we're not sure what's going on with kira so let's fix it I feel like there's the teeniest tip of the iceberg of who she is in the movie, yeah. and these flesh it out so well, and they're in perfect agreement. That's an excellent point. This isn't a, co- a correction. I don't view it as a correction of something. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, and, and it's weird because there's some things that we had talked about and you had brought up on air and off air, and they start to come to fruition here in the books about Kira, where it was really exciting for me. Yeah. It's like, oh, yes, confirmation of this, <laughs> of a thought. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that was there. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
a lot of stuff there. And overall, for me, too, the final... I, I mean, I still look at Rogue One as my favorite of the modern novelizations. The Last Jedi, I think we were spoiled by some a wonderful prologue and some great stuff and great Jason Fry with a great book here. So there's a high standard. This one is definitely a, a success. But uh, it, it, yeah, at times, it's just hey, that cool. This is the movie with some other insights. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So do you want to talk about some of the, the big things we liked? Yeah. Let's dive in into uh, uh, the highlights, or excuse me, the, the major themes. My notes say highlights. Yours say major <laughs> themes. I'm reading both here. But yeah, the major themes that are at play in this book. Uh, where, where did you start? Yeah, uh, I feel like uh, the idea that's in the movie, the idea of uh, freedom, is really, really uh, underlined well in the novel. It's coming from everybody. You know, it's got the uh, the droids uh, are wanting their own freedom. The Wookiees, long history of enslavement is mm-hmm. highlighted. Of course, it's Han's whole motivation. It's Kira's question of whether she could really have freedom. Yeah. Even Beckett and Val, especially when we get to have a little bit more back and forth with them mm-hmm. about whether they're really going to retire. Yeah. Is that freedom? Or is it freedom to be able... To just keep going, which is what we learned that Val wants. It's like, I don't ever want to let this yeah. let this go. So this life to her is uh, freedom. And I think one of the uh, interesting ideas that really, really pops it is there's that additional scene with Kira in Voss, uh, where Voss is kind of impressed by her because she keeps murdering the guards and trying to <laughs> yeah. escape and trying to get freedom. Uh, and he asks her, like, hey, what, what's going on with this? Uh, I can't remember the exact context, but I wrote yeah. down her quote of, uh, why does any trapped animal run for an open door? Mm. Freedom. Freedom. And, like, I think that was an extra great detail and also just, like, sounds perfect to mm. Kira's being very uh, emotional but very tactical and yeah. very thoughtful, too, of, like, well, obviously, you put me in a corner. What else am I going to do but fight to stay alive and right. fight to be free? Right. And I love we get all these answers of how Kira went into Crimson Dawn. Some we could have probably put together. Some we did put together. But I, I think it, it played out realistic for me. In a yeah. way, as best as you can of, hey, you're sold into slavery. You're sold into slavery again. Uh, and uh, you kill people. And then the, the bad guy says, uh, you're pretty cool. Stick around. <laughs> that That's maybe, you know going to be tough to to buy into but then it plays out realistically in kira's mind you can see why yeah and it's almost this not i don't want to say it's a weird freedom <laughs> that dryden voss gives her like look at this because he says look at this you know i'll give you this great world in a way yeah you know opulence and this and that you just got stuck with me in a bad yeah. way i don't know there's something there that so it plays i can understand why kira kind of also likes what's going on yeah yeah, I mean, I think it, it raises that really interesting question when, you know, when you make the choice if you want to see Star Wars as a fun adventure, if you want to kind of apply it more to real life, that idea of when you're in a circumstance that you can't change, hmm. do you settle at a certain point? And I feel uh, like what she's done is like, well, I came from poverty and I know he's manipulating me hmm. by having a little bit more control and having nice clothes and more power. Um but I know that's what's going on, but I think that's, I think I'm going to accept it. Yeah. Sticking around. Yeah. I've learned Terrace Kasi. Yeah, I've learned Terrace Kasi. <laughs> and then, of course, more of that changes. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little yeah. bit more uh, at the end when we get a little bit more of her thoughts on on that whole final interaction with Vaz. Yeah. And, and what she learns from L3. I loved the interactions with L3 and Kira and what it brought to uh, both characters, but but it's interesting. There's a, there's a there's an additional legacy in L three that I didn't really uh, expect to see. Yeah, I think that's my might be my number one favorite thing in the book is connecting 
Kira in L3's journey yeah. in taking that very short conversation that they have in the movie in the cockpit of the Falcon mm-hmm. uh, and making it really, in this book, making it really about Kira and L3 and L3 yeah. kind of comparing not just their their uh, relationships with Lando and Han respectively, mm-hmm. but their actual own personal desires and especially uh, L3 boiling it down to what's your restraining bolt? Yeah. Exactly what we're talking about. Like, why did you, why do you choose to stay there? That, that young mm. human's heart palpitations <laughs> make it clear that he loves you. And are, yeah. Do you love him? Do you want to run off with him? And if not, then what's your restraining bolt in the yeah. fact that that haunts Kira yeah. throughout the rest of the book? It, it really, it ties all these ideas of freedom together. It plays with like uh, the idea of relationships being, a kind of trap, but yep. also the, just the larger idea of just freedom from bad people and bad things. Yeah, why do you stay? What's your restraining belt? Sounds like one of those motivational speakers at a conference, <laughs> a business conference. <laughs> What's your restraining belt? Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be a new fun droid. Yeah, <laughs> Tony Robbins <laughs> protocol droid of Star Wars. What is your oh, restraining no, bolt? Oh no! Uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, that that connection between Kira and L three is yeah. is huge for me with that whole freedom mm-hmm. theme. Uh, I like go ahead. No, no. So you 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 want to bring up stolen youth as well as, as yes, yeah. I think the idea that uh, becomes much more. It, it's obvious in the movie that lots of bad people have had, uh, lots of good people have lost their youth. Yeah, um, with the scrum rats and obviously Han and Kira, but uh, in this uh, epilogue with Enfys Nest mm-hmm. meeting uh, Sagrera and in particular Jin. Yeah. It really, really highlights that that is what the damage, one of the points of damage of this era of the Empire is, mm-hmm. is that people, most people can't be young anymore yeah. because they're faced with horror in some way or shape or form. Jinder so was 11 at the time of this meeting. Yeah. And Infant's Nest is framed to be around 16, if I'm recalling right. Yeah. You think? I mean. Yeah, I think that's about, think. about the right age. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that, that is what's going on. This war has, uh, the, the cost is everywhere with this war. Uh, and, and we, I, I like learning a little bit more that Han, his dad running away, abandonment issues with Han, all that kind of stuff and how it just, it, it started early, started early. He's, yeah. That's what it means to be on the streets in these mean Karelian times. Yeah. And there's that question, there's that kind of the bittersweetness of like, oh, you you can't really be young, but you also have to be very violent. Yeah. And you have to be very tough. It's not just like, oh, it's too bad. Right. You didn't have a good childhood. Also, you need to murder to live. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should start murdering. Start murdering, kids. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty brutal. But it's also, uh, you know, understandably, I think that people who like Star Wars fine, but mm. don't do or listen to a weekly podcast about it, sure. are like, why do I need to see Han Solo? How does it mm-hmm. add to the story the way Ant-Man and the Wasp adds to the big MCU story? And for me, these kind of deeper thematic things of like, mm-hmm. well, go watch Rogue One, go watch Han Solo, put them in the timeline, yeah. think about the relationship between these characters who don't seem at all connected, who are totally connected by the circumstances of this story that George Lucas is telling about an oppressive empire. Yeah. We, we talk about the, the boot of the empire and, 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 the, and the residual effects all over the place. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the connection comes from. And, you know, including, you know, Infus Nest, uh, uh, kind of the, the face of rebellion in this movie, you know. And I love, I, I love the, ep- the epilogue. I actually really do love her. I was looking forward to it because yeah. you'd heard it was coming. Uh, but her and Saw and what that means. And, you know, as my dad would say, they left it open to another movie, um, <laughs> you know, to see 
where they line up because I don't think even Saw and Emphis would line up on what they want to do. But at the same time, Emphis has done some things and seen some things. Yeah. Clearly lost her mother. Clearly yeah. her mother probably didn't retire as Emphis Nest. In clear, in, in the implication being that her mother trained her of like, I won't last long in this life and then you yeah. put on the mask and then you do this. Right. I like that it also continues that question of what exactly is going to be done with this coaxium ultimately. Yeah. It's so used in the movie and the book as a symbol of freedom and and yeah. Ness even has that great line it's like it's the blood that will start something new yeah but then when she gives it to saw Gerrera, who we know from other star wars canon might use it to build uh <laughs> something positive but will probably use it to slaughter to people slaughter in schools in schools and hospitals yeah he'll yeah. use it uh to blow up moff panaka yeah you know like, yeah quite possibly not yeah. literally but uh Unless he used the coaxium as the bomb, <laughs> <That's> the <connection. laughs> but we know that Sagrera mm. his his uh, story is doing things that are morally questionable, right. In this greater pursuit, yeah. So that's interesting to continue this whole line of Han Solo, who himself is morally uh, mm. conflicted. Yeah, in this great positive, he was the good guy. He gave it to these heroes to start the rebellion. If you just left the story at that, it, it could have this like little thread of hope. But then we get it to Sagrera, like. Sagarera is going to hurt some people with that, for sure. It might be in the name of good, but he is going to hurt some people. Yeah. Uh, And all that's there. Yeah, the stuff, uh, more and more insight into Han and why... Yeah, again, watching the movie, I remember thinking, how how does this Han? How is it going to sync up to New Hope? You know, what? And then I thought it, at, in the movie it was it, it made sense to me. Just oh yeah, uh, of, of Han not wanting to be a part of it. And I think uh, under the stolen youth banner, I think uh, it, it factors into Han kind of like I don't want to attach myself to anything. I've been abandoned over and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I think that theme of abandonment is uh, is really cool because. Mm-hmm. I think the book does a great job of not ever specifically saying exactly what happened with Han's family. I think mm-hmm. it's and most wanted did this too, respected that you don't want Han Solo was born on this day right. to you know Steve's yeah. not Solo whatever his last name was, <laughs> um, but this new detail that he was that Han's father abandoned him, which yeah. I love because it's still ambiguous. Yeah, does that mean he died and Han felt abandoned? Does that mean? Han's father literally ran off. Does it mean he doesn't know what happened and someone else told him his dad abandoned him? Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of gray area. All that really matters to our character that we know and love is he feels abandoned. He, clearly, because when he, 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 he puts Lando into that category, and while I agree with that on the surface, Lando literally does like leave, but at the same time, uh, it's like, oh, Han, look at his perspective. You just, you know, it was a job. You ruined a ship. He does hate you. You know, it's like you kind of like, <laughs> but at the end of the day, he felt uh, kind of abandoned by Kira again, knowing yeah. that she she is not the girl I left and, yeah. and was trying to come back and get. Yeah. And she has that thought of him as well. But yeah, uh, the perception in Han's mind is what's important. Yeah, and it gives more weight to uh, Force Awakens. If he feels like here's a, I'm, I've gotten older and I've realized I, I'm really afraid of people abandoning me. Yep, I'm going to walk out on that bridge and I'm not going to abandon my son, even though the odds are against me. And I, I made the note specifically of how, how it does relate to the rest of his life because you know he has a. 
you become what you maybe hate or don't want to be sometimes. And yeah. he wants to leave the rebellion at Empire Strikes Back. He does leave the resistance, or at least Leia. He does kind of, you know, become what he, 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 oh, yeah, he that's hurt a, him. That's a great insight he keeps wanting to leave. Yeah, yeah. he keeps because, uh, and it might be because he's afraid of other people abandoning him, but then in the end of the day, he's abandoning him and how it affects Kylo. Yeah. It, we're, I'm sure Force are going to dive into that soon of, of the in-depth psyche of Kylo Ren or Ben Solo. Yeah. Uh, it's all there, but I but I do like at the end, and that that you're right. This is this is this is what Joseph's saying, uh, my fine friends. Connect all these things. What's going on in this book and this movie? Then go watch him step out onto the 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 uh, the, the, the the railless <laughs> the OSHA <laughs> violation. OSHA violation. That is the power of him not abandoning Kylo in that moment, or yeah. Ben, as he calls him. So it all, it's all connected. Yeah, it really is. You yeah. don't need the story group to right <laughs> now. I'm not going to go down that line. Uh, as long as we wandered into the details of Han, yeah. uh, I thought there were a couple other ones that really sang to me. Mm-hmm. One was, without really uh, underlining it too much, I liked that the thing that ultimately got him kicked out of the Imperial Flight Academy mm-hmm. was going to save somebody. Going to save the one guy he kind of liked or could tolerate, and to hear it in Han's mind, he's describing the the formation they were flying was stupid. Yeah, so I flew up there to save this guy because he's a good pilot, but he's not concentrating on. Yeah, you saved a friend. Yeah, that's what got you kicked out of the Empire. You saved a friend. Yeah, concentrating on the on the authority figures. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he's pushing back against the authority figures, and he's not thinking about the. I guess that was what the good guy would do. Yeah, risk his career, risk his life. To save the guy, the decent guy who had suddenly become vulnerable in the fight. Yeah. And I, Han doesn't know it. It's the thesis statement to Han's career in life. Yeah. Kira's saying, I know what you are. You're a good guy. And I th- I include the I know because Han, I think, struggles to, to accept and learn that and believe that his whole life. And that, yeah. That's an excellent example. Yeah. It's not just we got Tag and Bank. <laughs> you know, we finally got to see that scene. <laughs> that was fun to be yeah, able to see, fun. see Tag and Bank. how Han describes them. But yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, there's also that detail with Han where uh, Kira is talking about, well, that's how you survive in this life. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody falls, you just keep going. Yeah. And he has that, like, ah, I think it's good to pick people up because they might owe you. <laughs> and that seems like, A, like something he's telling himself so he can keep thinking I'm a smuggler and I'm a bad guy and right. not ever seeing I just save people because I think it's right, right deep down. Yeah. But then also just like such a great uh, setup for him reminding Luke that he owes him one. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a long-term <laughs> life philosophy Yeah, where you think that's ultimately better to save people, maybe because of morality, but you're telling yourself it's because then they'll save you, which sounds cynical, but it's ultimately like, yeah, that's just empathy. That's like yeah. why we should be kind to one another <laughs> so that we can all help one another. I love if you go back, uh, you know, I've been, as often we just put on these movies and watch them and to, to see that these, these, these novels and sometimes the comics are, are connecting to these deep themes. It is there. It is there. Uh, and uh, even little moments with Lando, the Falcon now, it's, they're finding these little, little corners to crawl into the story and it ties back to the stuff. And that's the stuff I'm, I'm having fun watching that unfold in front of us yeah. versus what happened with X, Y, and Z and canon of the unknown regions and throne. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm having more fun with the emotional canon that's going oh, on. Oh yeah, that's a great way to right think now. about it. Yeah. The emotional yeah. canon of Star Wars. Yeah, so those were the kind of the, the major themes that that jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were there things that you really loved? 
yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're the highlights for me included some of the insights into what I got from Kira, which we can maybe dive into deeply, but also Chewbacca, Chewie. Yeah. I love the scene, the introduction scene, which again, I was watching Return of the Jedi the other day, and I think we've talked about this other places. It's just simple. It's it's surface level insight. Uh, but to to watch Han and Chewie in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. get tossed in the same cage yeah. in a growl had new meaning to me. I watched this yesterday at the time of this recording. Had new meaning to me. Going back to Solo now, and I was here I am reading the novel of of Chewie dreaming of Kashyyyk in his cell, in his yeah. prison. We now know he didn't eat the stormtroopers, <laughs> which is an important detail. Totally clarified. Totally yep. clarified. Lots of little clarifications. And I love that that Star Wars poetry that we always make fun of, yeah. half make fun of, but half really believe in and understand. So I loved uh, a lot of, of what I got with Chewbacca and his decision, uh, which we saw in the movie and understood in the movie, but to hear it in his mind and to hear what Sagwa, the older balding Wookiee. <laughs> face balding. Face balding. To have him say, look, we've got a shuttle. We're going home. We're, we can start the liberate. We can, and, and how that meant so much to Chewbacca. And we know it ties to Aftermath, yeah. Life Debt. Um, but to see why he chose Han, that is more powerful than to me. This is the emotional canon now. It's more powerful to me than if Chewie said to Sagwa, well, I have a, a Misa have a life debt, <laughs> a life play with this guy. I don't have a, you know, a life debt. He sees why Han deserves his loyalty and why he wants to. And I thought that was some great insight. I wasn't expecting Chewie insight from yeah. this novel. Yeah, and I still like that idea that to Chewie, that's a life debt. He made a choice. Yes. In that moment, he made a choice of like, this This human really cares and he really mm-hmm. needs someone like me. And I will, everybody needs somebody. One of the themes of the movie, uh, I will be there for him. And then, yeah, it only makes Aftermath more powerful of like, yeah, mm-hmm. then about uh, 10 years of being scoundrels, then three or four years <laughs> of uh, fighting a whole galactic civil war. And then Chewie's like, uh, hey, buddy, remember when I didn't uh, leave you <laughs> yeah. on Kessel and liberate my planet? Maybe you want to help me. Maybe it's time. You know, and then when you're catching up with Han, you yeah. know, in Aftermath and even in Battlefront, like, nope, I yeah. have to liberate Kashyyyk. That's all I'm about is like, mm-hmm. Chewie uh, made a good choice. Two minute good shows. And I'm sure along the way, if if more stories are told, we know maybe not on the big screen, but in any other form, I'm sure that will come into play again with Chewbacca. I don't, you know, I don't anticipate that from this point on he went, screw the Wookiees, I'm with Han now. You know, no. I, I think it probably came up again and, and might tie into Han, you know, not wanting to commit to something bigger than just the next score. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. that'll be fun. So that that was there for me. Uh, um, and and stuff about L3, I think, I don't know, that can that's almost an entire... Yeah. Chapter of our discussion. I don't know if you want to get into that yet. Yeah. Uh, and I know you would know it here, planning versus improvising. I love that. And it goes to Most Wanted, too. Uh, again, if you guys are listening and you haven't read Most Wanted by Ray Carson, we highly recommend it here. Uh, just the dichotomy, the, 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 the dynamic, the teamwork, sort of, of Kira and Han. And they're always Han's. I love that he bursts out with some of these plans and you're kind of reading <laughs> his head going, I, I just said it. Yeah, we got we got guys down there. We got hired guns, and and and, and Kira's pretty meticulous. And yeah. now that's one of the reasons Dryden Voss came to value her her, her in his own evil way. Yeah, you know, she she was able to always maintain maintain some kind of control. Going back to that eel scene. Yeah, that's she's her. she's being smart and tactical, and I think uh, I hope to get even more Kira stories where that keeps paying off for her. But I also mm. like the story of Han, like, I think he's got that one uh, particular line in this where mm. 
he says like, well, uh, if I convince myself that if I just do one more dumb thing, then that'll keep me alive, then it's not as scary. So I just like, right. if I tell you I got it, I'm going to believe that because yeah. the other option is I'm going to die. So either I got it or I'm going to die. And either way, it, it's going to work out yeah. and it's out of my hands, kind of. Uh, and there's something about that that's both like um, dumb <laughs> yeah. and irresponsible and annoying, yeah. but also like hopeful. Yeah. And that's so much of what I think the character, especially the young character of Han that's that's singing in this story of like yeah. there's no way this should work, but I'm going to try. The the Kessel Run was a little bit different for me in this book and I enjoy it in the movie even yeah. though yeah, yeah, we know what most likely they're going to get out of this situation, right? Yeah. I don't think you're watching or reading solo to be surprised or the suspense of the story. We know this is a character study, a fun, high-action character study. And I thought Merle After did a great job of just getting into Han's mind during the castle run, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Kind of this, we'll figure it out. Yeah. like Figure it out. It's, it makes him charming and funny and roguish, but also mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, a decent sort of life lesson of there's so many things you look at in life. And, like, you look mm-hmm. at the percentage, and there's no reason you should leave your house in the morning. Right. So if you have more of a Han Solo, like, eh, it'll work out. Yeah. Like, there's, there's something cool uh, and uh, impressive about that. Yeah, and, it, and that speaks to me on a weird personal level because I, uh, I am somewhat organized and, like, good planning. I just don't. Um, take the time to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I this float around the line. I, I try to plan a lot, but then sometimes you end up with those Han Solo moments yeah. of like, well, I will jump and right. I will land without an outline somehow. <laughs> so that was that word. Do you want to talk about uh, Kira's path to Crimson Dawn? Do you want to dive yeah. in there? Where do you want to yeah, go let's next? Yeah, d- let's dive into Kira. I think that's uh, really cool. Uh, obviously, like we said, fleshed out really well in yeah. Moving Target. I think a lot of her path is uh, kind of it makes mm. sense early in the book, but it really crystallizes for me mm-hmm. her decisions about why she attacks Dryden Voss. Yeah. Like uh, her decision to say, I'm going to stick with Crimson Dawn. Han, I can't run away from you. We can get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like that it is multifaceted why she kills Dryden Voss. That yes. it, she she thinks many different thoughts. Obviously, she is affected by the brutality of what mm-hmm. Crimson Dawn is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.